0: guys happy friday junior i'm excited to be sharing another episode with you this week uh, with my friend sam who is or was also a college football player so i'm really i was really interested to see you know how his story compared to dylan's and i would love to hear what y'all think Uh, i don't have much else to say so this will be a really short intro but i will say that i do have a new partnership that was just finalized and i'm so excited to talk about it with you all and share the exciting news anyways i hope you enjoyed this episode with sam and please 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 share this share Salt and city with all of your friends you know let them know about it and uh give me five stars on um apple podcasts and spotify etc that'd be awesome but Without further ado, here's Sam.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Solace in the City. Today I'm so excited to be here with Sam Eisenstadt, who is a former D1 football player, an international football coach, and my friend from middle school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's right.
1: Thanks for being here, Sam. Um, well, I know who you are, and I know where you're from, but why don't you start out with a little bit of a background information, introduce yourself, where are you from, how old are you, where did you go to school, what's your story?
2: Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Walk me through your life.
2: Oh, uh... I went to Elon University where I played football. Um, that was division one football, FCS. I only ended up playing for two years because um, I got a bunch of concussions and stuff, but there was, there was multiple reasons. It was, it was just a tough time. I think we won like six games in two years. So there was, there was multiple reasons why I stopped playing, but concussions were a big part of it. And then um, I've always wanted to be a coach, probably since I was in like fifth grade or something. So once I stopped playing, I started considering um, being a student assistant for Elon. And my senior year, I was a student assistant the entire year. And then um, I started looking at different schools to coach at. And I was lucky enough to go coach at University of California, Davis. So I was there for five months this fall and um, I was in a lower role so I didn't get to really actually coach as much so I was like kind of looking for something and it just ended up that uh, one of the coaches on the UC Davis staff his son lives in Germany and coaches a team in Sweden now he's the head coach and they were looking for a defensive coordinator uh, so I threw my hat into the ring, and I reached out to him and said, hey, I'd love to do it. I'd love to be a part of the team. And they got back to me, and that's how I became the defensive coordinator of the Orbru Black Knights uh, in Orbru, Sweden, which is pretty surreal. Yeah, that's uh,
1: you got to shoot your shot, and it's pretty cool <laughs> that you made it.
2: A year ago, I would have never imagined that. I would have been in Sweden. Like, I just would not have believed you if you told me that. But now I'm back in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because of COVID.
0: Just, uh, That'll just, do it.
1: Um. So did I, that was actually my original question was, like, when you were growing up back in the days of Rums and Country Day, did you ever want to pursue football professionally? Was that your dream? Or did you always know you wanted to be a coach?
2: Um. I never really thought about professional football. I did think about college football when I was younger and I did aspire to, like to go to these big schools. It's funny cuz you um had Dylan, right? Yep. Uh, his name's Dylan. So Dylan played at the University of Texas and that that like was my kind of dream and stuff. Not UT, but uh, I was thinking like UNC Chapel Hill, some of these really big schools. Um, And then kind of throughout high school and stuff, my goal just uh, went to trying to play Division I football. So then I started looking at uh, lower levels of Division I football. And then from a coaching perspective, um, I've always just been really interested in coaching. And this is going to sound really (laughs) ridiculous, but my older brother and I, um, we played this game, NCAA Uh, football that was like this Xbox game and there was like this mode on the game where you were like a coach and we were like seriously addicted to the game and we like loved it we were like coaching teams and stuff and I think it was uh, partially from that I was just like oh, coaching would be so cool like you would have the opportunity to like be a mentor and a leader to so many people and uh, I'd get to like be around the sport that I love and I, I guess from a young age, I never really wanted to work, like, a real job. So I was like, oh, if I can coach when I'm older, that that sounds amazing. So that was, that was kind of where my head was at.
1: That's so interesting because I feel like that m- makes being a player kind of difficult because you obviously have a lot of different coaching styles. And so if – if you're kind of, you know, it's it's like the same with having a manager and work. Like, if you aren't receiving the management style, that's like what works best for you. It may not make you into the best player you can be.
2: Yeah, I mean, I saw that all throughout my playing days. And uh, to be truthfully, like, to be honest... Um, a lot of the things I learned was actually learning what not to do from Mm. a lot of coaches and there was much fewer coaches that I was, I looked up to and said, that's exactly what I want to do. A lot more of the time it was, I'm not going to coach that way because a lot of coaches aren't thinking about um, how players need to be coached in different ways. And there's different ways to motivate different people and how to build confidence in people And in a lot of ways, um, I feel like coaches end up taking confidence away from kids because uh, if they do something poorly in practice or uh, maybe miss a play, miss a tackle, miss a catch, you know, just mess something up, they yell at Like, I've seen a lot like a coach will yell at a kid and make them feel like terrible and awful. And that just destroys someone's confidence. Uh, For instance, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was so excited because I was playing uh, receiver and I was like one of the only sophomores to play varsity football. And I was getting used to the position. It was the first year I ever played receiver. And um, there's a, it was our first game of uh, like my varsity career. And I was trying to make something happen. It was right before halftime. And I ran like a different route than I was supposed to because I was just like, that route's not gonna work. Like maybe this route will work. But I ended up running basically in the same area as someone else. And when I came off on the sideline, uh, the wide receiver coach took me by the helmet, uh, brought me really close to his face He's like, what the F are you doing? Like, what the F do you think you're doing? And screaming at me. And I was only 16 years old. Yeah, that's
1: crazy. Oh, my gosh.
2: And uh, even people around him were, like, telling him to calm down and stuff. And um, that totally just destroyed my confidence. And uh, I think that's why I put such a big emphasis on building confidence now as a coach because – If you're playing with confidence, which I've had moments playing with confidence as well, uh, you can totally do things on the field that you would have never thought you could even do. Um, But then on the other end of the spectrum, if coaches are, you know, messing with your confidence and not growing your confidence, but actually um, tearing down your confidence, then you start to doubt yourself on the field and everything becomes harder, so, um, yeah, (laughs) I forget what your question even was, but.
1: (laughs) No, like, coaching styles, but that makes a lot of sense, and it's, it's crazy that people expect so much from athletes at such young ages, when, like, you're really just a kid, and, like, you're just so, you know, those are your years where everything you take molds you into who you're going to be as an, an adult, so it's just, like, it's really crazy to think about but when you were playing in college after you had all these concussions like what was the kind of what was the tipping point for you to formally quit and what was that decision like because I can't imagine it was easy
2: it definitely wasn't easy and I didn't enter college saying like oh maybe I'll try football for a year or two like I was totally committed I was like I'm playing all four years of college, um, so it was a tough realization. You know, you get to college and people say that um, college is a lot more, uh, a lot more like a job than in high school, and that's the truth. Um, you're, we're like when you're in college, you're working all the time, you're lifting, you're watching film, you're on the field, and it just takes up so much time in your day. So it's a huge, huge commitment. And then, um, my sophomore year, I've been working really hard and I was the second string safety for our team. And then a freshman came in and a week into him being there a week into August camp, my coach comes up to me and he's like, your third string, uh, this kid who's a freshman is the second string now. And it literally just broke my heart because, um, with the commitment you put into football and how much I cared about it all. Um, And there was another thing that just, like, kind of messed with my confidence. And I was just like, you know, like, maybe I'm just shitty. Like, maybe I'm not good at football. Um, And I was just, like, in such a shitty place. And basically, I told myself I was, like, having these, like, deep thoughts. I was probably crying, but I honestly forget. That was a while ago. But I was thinking – um. after the season, I have to stick out the season. But after the season, I'm done playing because it's not worth it. Like, yeah. you know, I work so hard and I'm still just going to be third string and I'm just going to play on special teams like when I could be doing so many other things in college. So that was the moment.
1: So at that point or in any point, you know, when you're getting all this crazy feedback like in quotation marks from your coaches did that did that affect your mental health at all and if so like did you do anything to work on that
2: um back then I don't think it was anything devastating to my mental health like when I say it messed with my confidence um you know it didn't affect me in a huge way besides on the field like outside of football, I still felt, I felt good. I felt goofy, I felt um, comfortable in my own skin. Uh, But it wasn't until after I stopped playing football at the age of 20, I began to go um, through an identity crisis. And that's really when I started to have um, severe anxiety. That's when I started to go through depression um and yeah so it was like it was really (laughs) it wasn't the coaching as much it was basically when I stopped playing football and that's something I would have never imagined because when I stopped playing I saw these other guys that were like kind of lost and stuff that guys who had stopped playing and I thought to myself I was like that'll never be me because I'm interested in so many different things and I'm in a fraternity like I'm going to, this is going to be smooth sailing. Um, and next thing I know, a couple months later, uh, I'm feeling terrible and I have really bad anxiety and I didn't even know what to do at that point. And I was just in a really tough spot.
1: That's so interesting. Now that I think about it, like, I feel like I've heard that from a lot of people where they have something in their life that you know, they have been doing since childhood and and it's them. So it's like losing a part of your identity. I I don't think I've ever been like good at something for long enough for that to happen to me, but I've, you know, it (laughs) translates into a bunch of different things like people with certain uh, like mental health disorders and things like that. But that's, that's so interesting. And so what, what did you do? Because I, I know anxiety, at least for me, I thought it was just extreme stress and that I was just naturally freaking out about everything. Like, did you know how to, like, you know, address it or, or what did you do first?
2: So my my story is like a roller coaster and I probably should have explained uh, this a little sooner. But even in high school, I had panic attacks. So I've always had anxiety. So it wasn't like um, after I stopped playing football in college, I got anxiety for the first time. I had been dealing with anxiety basically most of my life. And um, specifically, I would get panic attacks and stuff like that, like during games, and it was so scary for me. Um, So basically... When I got into college, I was like, I can't have panic attacks like when I'm playing football because I didn't even tell the coaches. Like, this was something I really kept to myself because I was so scared about this, you know, panic attacks and anxiety that I didn't want to like tell anyone that I was feeling that way Um, because I thought the coaches would be like, oh, what's wrong with you or we don't want you on our team or whatever it might be. But I was definitely like fearful of that. So I was like, I have to figure this out. So it was uh, the beginning of my freshman year where I started my meditation practice. And now I've been meditating basically every day um, for the last five years. I have a daily meditation practice. Um, And ask me the question one more time because my brain doesn't work too well.
1: (laughs) No, just like how you address mental health. Like, I mean, it's cool that... A, you can even admit it so casually because that's something obviously that's not normalized yet in our society, but it is. it seems like it's true that you still felt, you know, like you'd be looked at differently if you brought it up to your coach or like they kind of question bringing you on the team, which on one hand you know, there's all of those, like, there's, like, the ADA acts and working and things like that that should protect you, but there is still a thing in the back of your mind that's, like, okay, I'm, I'm not being unreasonable by thinking that they're going to look different at me by if I say, like, oh, I get panic attacks or, like, oh, I sometimes suffer with anxiety or depression. So, like,
2: yeah. It, it's... Yeah.
1: Um, go ahead. No, it's just saying, like, it's interesting that you felt the same, but in addition to meditation, like did you ever go to therapy or anything? Or
2: um, at the end of my senior year of high school, I went to therapy for a couple months. But besides that, uh, I did not go to therapy. Um, yeah, besides that, I didn't go to therapy. I, I recently, when I was at UC Davis, it just worked out where I was going to a therapist because it was the it was the team's uh, therapist and. He was this amazing guy that was like a former football player on the team. He was like 40 years old, and um, I would just sit down with him and talk, and it was awesome because it was also free. Yeah, days of free therapy. Uh, it was like a really awesome situation. But going back to your question about like, did I know how to deal with uh, any of these struggles that I was going through? Um, I brought up the meditation practice because it wasn't like. I had no, um, like I didn't have any tools at all. I had meditation and I had started actually daily journaling too. So even a lot of people feel not in the best place and then people would be like, well, maybe you should try meditating. Maybe you should try keeping a journal Well, I was doing both of those things. And I still fell into uh, depression and severe anxiety. So I actually read this book as well called The Power of Now. Have you heard of that
1: book? No, it's not by the same guy who did the Four Agreements, is it?
2: No, it's okay. not. So it's Eckhart Tolle. And it's all about like living in the moment. I should read it's that.
1: Just, <laughs> <laughs> I can't. am so bad at that.
2: Oh, yeah. I. It's a struggle for me. But it's interesting because my freshman year, when I started first doing my meditation practice, I read that book as well and I had this confidence from playing college football and I was like walking around um, my campus and you know into parties and like different you know into my classes and I had this confidence I had never felt before and I was like this is the answer like I literally thought the power of now was like the bible I was like this is it like (laughs) and it's, it's so funny because then after I stopped playing football, I was like, okay, well, I just need to return to my Bible. I just need to return to the power of now. I need to return to meditation, like all of these things. And I was so hard on myself. I was like, I need to be present. I need to be present. But my mind was like in 15 different places. And basically, Zoe, what I was doing was I was driving myself crazy. Yeah, And that that's really... A big, there's so many reasons why, but a big reason why I fell into depression and my anxiety got worse and worse is because I fought against everything coming my way. And I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. And um, from my perspective today, you know, instead of fighting, a lot of times you just have to let go and you have to feel. And um, that's what I learned. And it was a really tough process because I didn't uh, seek help. I didn't like, you know, try to go about these things in a responsible way. I basically just meditated, journaled, and I I went on walks in the park. And I I would just like ask questions and be like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel this way? And uh, finally, I kind of just came to the realization. I was like, I got to stop fighting against myself. Like, I can't do this anymore. Like I have to, I have to learn to be my own best friend. And from that day on was really the moment when I started to see a big change in my life.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I think like a lot of the times, especially people who are very like self-motivated or, you know, good good at something and just tough on themselves already. They think, oh, okay. Like, I'm having this problem. It's okay. Like, I'll figure it out. I'll work on it. I can do this. And it's really hard to sometimes just come to the realization that you can't do it alone and that you do need help of a therapist or you do need to talk about it to someone. But I do think it's so important because we deal with so much, and especially, you know, in your late teens, early 20s, like college years, right after college years. Like, those are the craziest times of your life. Like, there's no way... We can deal with everything that's thrown at us without like having a sounding board. So it's cool that you can even like admit that though. I think you're one of the rare people can like explain your experience. Like you're very self-aware in other words. Uh,
2: Yeah. Which I think is a
1: compliment because I consider myself self-aware.
2: Well, I appreciate it. And I was just going to say like, I truly think human beings as uh, unique and different um, as we are each and every one of us, there's a lot of things that make us similar. And I'm not just this person that's like um, naturally knows all these things about myself and it just comes easy. Like, again, it was just like hard work and like um, a lot of those times, like where I was going into the park and just asking questions, like I slowly started to learn more about myself and I think that's a big part of the journey, To Just, like, if you don't know yourself, like, you don't really know what you need.
1: Definitely. I think it. that's why I remember my therapist once, like, when I was a senior in college, said that I was self-aware. And I was like, wow, that is the best compliment ever. And now I always, it just means, I don't know, it means, like, you really know yourself. And I think once you know yourself, you can kind of, not to the point of like being so analytical that you're, you know, making judgments about other people, but you know like if they're if they're saying something that's projection or if you know if they're saying something that's out of spite as opposed to like concern for you. So I think it's a a really good quality that helps just everyone in the process.
2: Totally. Definitely.
1: Going back to meditation, like what initially attracted you to that and also yoga because I know I see you at Synergy Yoga shout out Eleonora (laughs) like all the time (laughs)
2: um so what started me on my path to meditation and yoga uh for meditation again it was it was something I had heard before and actually like you know, usually I had been doing yoga in high school and stuff and you would end the yoga class with like a two minute meditation. So there was like little ways I was introduced to meditation. Um, but like I said, it wasn't until I was going to college and I was like, I need to figure out some, I need to figure out a solution to my anxiety. And it ended up not being a solution. It was just like a band-aid basically. Yeah. But it did help um and that's how i started like my meditation practice and i just like truly believe that uh it's so important to like take time just to like relax and get away from all the stimulus in our life and all the things um that are just like you know we're constantly being entertained it's, like one moment after the next whether it's music or phones tv um it's just endless so And how I got into meditation, I guess, you know, I was just thinking of like, what are different ways I can make my anxiety kind of dissipate and uh, go away in a sense. And I guess meditation was just like one of the first things that came to my mind, because you always think like someone meditating and they're so peaceful. Yeah. Um, So I guess that's kind of what I thought. And I was like, all right, maybe I just need (laughs) some meditation in my life. Um, and then for yoga, my sister was into yoga during high school and, um, she was, she would ask, you know, me and my other brothers, like, do you want to come to the yoga class with me? And, you know, we were all good athletes. So I was like, yeah, I could definitely use some stretching. Like I was so inflexible, couldn't touch my toes, like really, really bad. Um, and people come up to me now and it's funny and they're like, I'm so inflexible and like I'm terrible at yoga. And I'm like, I was the same way. And like. Just gotta
1: you just got to keep practicing.
2: Just practice, like you said. And over time, your body begins to get, um, become more flexible. And I don't know. I just think yoga is such an important practice to ground yourself and come into the present moment and kind of feel your body, feel your mind feel your soul, and just, like, see, like, where you at. And usually after a yoga class, not in every case, but usually after a yoga class, I feel much better. So it's very, like, centering.
1: Same. And how, what parts of yoga do you incorporate into you, your life now? Like, I know when we were talking um, the other week, you were telling me about chakras. Like, what parts, like, do you think are most useful and applicable to just daily life?
2: Yoga. Well, I can't really say that because I've not been doing a daily yoga practice. so I can't really say what's a daily thing about yoga. Um, But I should be because yoga is so beneficial. And I would just say like flexibility and all that. And when I was going through yoga teacher training, uh, you think about yoga and it's like this physical practice where... Um, you're getting on your mat, and you're moving around, and in hot yoga, you're sweating, and it's yeah. a hard workout, and uh, there's so many different types of yoga. That's one thing I learned like when I was doing the yoga teacher training. And then you also learn that there's eight different limbs, or maybe seven. Do you know? Is it seven or eight? I should know, but I don't.
1: I have no idea. I thought we had like four, so I don't know. <laughs>
2: I think it's eight different limbs of yoga and only one of Oh,
1: never mind. That's the body parts. Okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's like I thought we had four limbs. (laughs) I guess it's different for everyone. Um, But yeah, eight different limbs of yoga and only one of the limbs is physical. So the other seven limbs is just like how to be um, a good human being, basically. And while we were in this practice of learning about the history of yoga, uh, we started to talk about chakras, which chakras is like energy um, energy centers that we have in our body. And we have seven energy centers uh, in our body. And the more and more we talked about it, and there's one lady in the group that was really into chakras, the more I heard about it, I was like, this is magic. Um, and it was just such a cool experience for me because I, i could really see you know a lot a lot of different things like different religions and stuff you have to have faith and like you have to put your faith into something you can't see but with energy and chakras like uh energy is something that's tangible and they can actually like do studies and stuff and um it's gotten down to like quantum physics and people don't even know um what's like smaller than quantum physics we just know things are vibrating really fast Um, and basically so we're just energy so we can change and we can heal ourselves and if we have a physical ailment you know to an extent obviously if you have like a really really bad physical ailment you might not be able to change it but say your back hurts or something like I had a lot of back pain and I started going outside and grounding myself which is like putting your bare feet on the earth And the earth gives off a vibration, a frequency, because everything is energy. It gives off a frequency that resonates with your first chakra. And your first chakra, if you have lower back pain, that's associated with your first chakra. And I started going outside and I was just like, i would put my feet on the ground and i would do some affirmations too. Like, I'm like, I'm safe. (laughs) I feel grounded. I'm connected to the earth. And within like a couple weeks, couple months, um, largely my back pain went away. That's so and, crazy.
1: That's so cool, though. I love that, and it's like
2: thanks. it's
1: it's really similar to what, um, Damia, this woman I had on was talking about with Reiki, just like Reiki healing. And I love all that stuff. So I should do more. <laughs> I should it's research totally, a little like, bit
2: more. It's totally magic to me. I just think it's so fascinating.
1: So, on a different tangent, like, you're obviously just, you know, a very open person, which is so admirable and just, but rare, unfortunately, with men. What advice would you give as someone, you know, like, much like with what I said to um, Dylan and what I said to, like, Francis, like, from if someone didn't know you at all and they just knew that like they just saw you and knew that you played football in college and that you went to a great school and were now gonna be a and it was like an hour a now our coach and like you're a good looking guy. They'd think like, oh, this guy has it all. They wouldn't know everything you just told me. So what advice would you give to someone who's dealing with anxiety or loneliness or stress or something like that What would you tell them, and how would you encourage them to open up?
2: Uh, Well, I'll just say, first off, like, don't judge – try not to judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Um, Because you never know, like, what anybody's going through, and um, it really doesn't matter. Honestly, if someone seems like they have it all, that could just be more pressure on that person to – uh, uphold this this uh, maybe this kind of image that the world has about them so it might even be more pressure on them mm-hmm. what would I suggest to someone going through that was a question right like what, yeah. what would I suggest to like, someone like how would
1: you encourage a guy to like open up or um, go to like because I feel like guys are always saying things like oh, I just don't like to talk about this stuff or, oh, I just can do it on my own or, like, I don't need therapy, blah, 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 blah.
2: So that one's a tough one for me and, and something I can't answer with full confidence. But I will say that um, there's the saying, like, you can lead a horse to water, uh, but, like, the horse is only going to drink the water, like, if 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 it wants to drink the water, like – And that was probably not the exact way. to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes sense.
2: I think people understand what I'm saying. Yeah. um, I don't think the answer definitely isn't to force guys to open up because the more you force someone, like the more they're just going to retract and like kind of go in their shell and stuff. So for me, it's just like kind of leading by example and kind of, letting actions speak louder than words and um what i'm doing speak speak for itself um and i'm not really like going up to different guys and stuff and saying like hey like you should try opening up like it's it feels really good and like, yeah it's good for you and all these things i'm just like showing them like hey i'm a guy that played football i'm a guy that's currently a football coach Um, I'm a guy that from the outside might seem like uh, I have a lot of things to offer, or I have a lot of things in this world. um, And still I struggle and hopefully, you know, someone else could see that and say, all right, if he's opening up, maybe I should too. And I think it's really, really tough for guys because I think every human being, we don't want to show weakness and then guys it's amplified. Mm -hmm. And then, for athletes that are guys, it's even amplified more. And for athletes that are women, it's amplified as well. And um because it's just like not wanting to show that true authentic self because you're not sure if people are gonna accept you. Yeah. For who you are. Um, I would just say to guys, like start listening to podcasts. <laughs>
1: this one.
2: <laughs> What's up? Oh yeah. This one. Yeah. I mean this would be the perfect podcast but even like podcasts like um, you know I was looking at the top charts it's like I think Joe Rogan was number two or something and they're like talking about mental health all the time like and they talk about like psychedelics and stuff too which like I've never done and I don't know (laughs) I wouldn't recommend (laughs) but they are talking about mental health and talking about uh, the importance of healing yourself because that's what, I would, that would, that's what I would say. If like a guy was listening to this right now and like, why should I open up? Um, I would just say, because you can heal yourself and all that anxiety and those feelings that are making you feel crappy and um, just not being the best version of yourself, like you can begin to heal yourself and you need to like dive into the fear. You need to dive into what is hard for you. Cause like I had social anxiety and if I ran from it, which I easily could have, I wouldn't have been a football coach. Like I wouldn't have um, become a yoga instructor. Like I was scared. So, so scared. Um, But once you dive into it and you have repetition and you're doing it over and over again, that's when you start to see that manifestation in your life. And for me, I've gotten to see someone who is uh, had severe anxiety uh, now be able to, you know, I taught yoga in front of over like a hundred people at a at this park when we were doing something a Mother's Day event, and I'm able to um, be a defensive coordinator and speak in front of thirty plus guys. Um, so so much is possible if if you just start to open up, start to explore some of these different outlets, and I really don't think that anything can be more. Uh, impactful than that because I think we all just want to live this life um, the best we can. And if you want to live this life the best you can, you need to uh, take time and put work into yourself because life is truly, um, life is the same, but what lens are you seeing life through? Because we all see life through a different lens and you just need to work on yourself. So that lens is like a beautiful, crystal clear lens that like you t- truly take in life and like you enjoy it and you live the moments to the fullest and that that comes from hard work.
1: I love that so much. That was so well said. And I think kind of what you mentioned about leading by example, now you have the perfect way to. Like you're going to be teaching these younger guys, you know, they're going to be looking up to you and and not only having you tell them like God, I'm not even going to try to pretend I know anything about football. But, like, you know, like, where to run to or what lane to go down or route as the running back. But also just saying, like, I believe in you and, and, like, if, you know, if there's, like, a tough loss or they're down, like, they can look up to you and you are literally, like, have all the space to lead by example now, which is so cool
2: appreciate that and like yeah for me like um a lot of coaches I think coach football and they're like I love football and also like we should do some like life lessons in here because we should like uh be good examples for these kids and for me it's kind of flipped it's like it's all about life and trying to live life to the best that we possibly can and oh by the way we're playing football (laughs) Um, like how do we implement that into the game of football. So it all starts with, how do we become the best version of ourselves? How do we work on confidence? How do we work on having faith that, you know, uh, things happen for a reason and and all of those things. And I'm young, so I'm, I'm learning, but um, that's ultimately what I would like to do. Be able to like implement these life lessons and these ways to live life to its fullest into the game of football. Cause the game of football is in itself a beautiful thing. It's it's very, uh, <laughs> it's very aggressive and a uh, crazy sport overall, but um, it also t- takes teamwork and believing in one another that I think is rare in many, many sports.
1: A hundred percent. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a series of five questions, just unrelated to football, but, you know, the, the answers may have to do. So <laughs> the first question is, what's one thing in your life that's happened to you that's made you a stronger person today? They're kind of deep.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good, though. Um, okay, well, we talked about it, and I'll go back to uh, my panic attacks because that's a that's a huge thing like um the panic attacks in my life i could look at it like oh it was such like this terrible thing that happened like why do i get panic attacks well now like in um reflecting back on it if i didn't have panic attacks i wouldn't have started my meditation practice if i didn't start my meditation practice would i've started journaling um if i didn't start meditation and journaling would I, would I have had the tools necessary to come out of my depression and severe anxiety? Um, so honestly, it's crazy, but panic attacks were probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me.
1: Yeah, it's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of
2: thing. Exactly.
1: Do you believe everything happens for a reason? I think you might have mentioned it before.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's a work in progress. Right there, because um, I just think I've I've gone back and forth. Like maybe things don't happen for a reason. Things do happen for a reason, and I think the way to live life to the fullest is to believe that everything happens for a reason. And I've seen so many crazy things occur. Like I think there has to be a higher power, and I I don't have a particular name for my higher power but I do believe everything happens for a reason. And when everything happens for a reason, you can find purpose from it. And from that purpose, uh, so much as possible.
1: Agreed. What do you have a favorite quote or a mantra that you live by?
2: Um,
1: or a chakra? <laughs> uh,
2: favorite. Well... Well, oh, I think there is a quote, but I'm totally like, like blanking right now. Um But a mantra is definitely just, I've a ton of mantras that I've been using, but one that's really impactful is just like telling myself that it is okay. And um, that one's been so impactful because for me, that's allowed me to let go of fighting against my anxiety, fighting against feeling sad or in a in a bad place, um, and just telling myself over and over again, like, it is okay. And, like, when I do that, I'm able to, like, ease into the moment a little more and uh, just, like, is really, really important for me on my journey.
1: Yeah, I remember last week when we were talking, you were saying how, like, if you said like a mantra or a chakra and like put your hand over your heart, you could like literally feel it like slow down or just change like how your body was doing. And <laughs> due to the circumstances that had occurred on that day, like I was doing that at night and I and it was crazy. Like it really did help. So everyone listening should yep. should listen it's to huge. Sam. <laughs> <That's a> huge, <laughs> huge. Um What do you love most about yourself?
2: Um, I would say I love most about myself is my just resilience. Like, um, I think there's been so many moments in my life where things seem really, really tough and I just feel like my back's against the wall. Um, And just over and over again, I'm just like really proud of myself because I never give up and I always... Uh, recenter myself and just like go back to trying again and uh, I really think that's what allowed me to get through my anxiety like you know allowed me to get through my anxiety allowed me to get through my depression um is just being so resilient and just being like I will find a way like there's (laughs) there's no other answer like I'm going to find a way and that's been so helpful on my journey.
1: That's great and it'll, you know, carry you through a lot of things in your life, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question is, how do you find solace in the city? So, I mean, city can be wherever you are at the a time when you're stressed or overwhelmed. Like, what brings you at peace?
2: When I'm overwhelmed, um, what usually brings me peace is just going back to that meditation and that meditation might not look like, uh, what everybody might envision. Um, you know, some people might think meditation and think of some guy on a cushion cross yeah. leg, is, uh, you know, hands out and all these things and maybe like going oh and like different stuff like that. But for me, it's just like laying in bed, And turning on music I like or just like soft music and just breathing and just taking deep breaths. And uh, it's so important for me. Like that's something I have to come back to all the time because I get overwhelmed very easily. And so that's how I find solace in the city. I just take time for myself, take deep breaths, listen to music. That makes me feel good. And if I do that for like um, 15, 20 minutes or so, I almost every time feel a lot better.
1: I love that, well, Sam, thank you so much for coming on and um before I wrap up, why don't you talk a little bit about your live and learn series, and like where can people learn about that and follow you
2: on Instagram yeah. or whatever well thank you, thank you for having me on this was. This was a lot of fun, and um, I enjoy it like answering these questions and stuff. So um, for the Live and Learn series, that's something I started at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, basically. And I had to come home from Sweden and I was just like, all right, I need to, (laughs) not I need to, but I want to create this space where people can embrace struggle. And as you've heard from what I've said during this podcast, struggle has been a big part of my life. And I think it is for so many people. And we live in a society where um, we are constantly preaching perfectionism and not showing weakness and all of these different things uh, that make life so hard for us. So I made a Instagram account called the Live and Learn series um, where we have different people on and we just talk about their struggle. And they say like what they've learned from their struggle, how they've transformed. And basically it's just a space where we can all feel more comfortable talking about struggle. Um, If you want to go follow that, it's just live, learn series. You just type in live (laughs) into uh, Instagram. You can find it there. And if you want to follow me, um, oh gosh, Um, call. But um, if you want to follow me, just follow Sam Eisenstat, and that's that's my Instagram handle. I'll plug and, it all in
1: the, in the bio. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Sam, and hopefully once this is all over, I'll see you back at Synergy.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, I will be there, no doubt. <laughs> me too,
1: definitely with a lot of, like, hands and eyes. <laughs> What's that Definitely with like a lot of hand wipes and sanitizer cuz that place like breeds covid.
2: inside in there. Ew.
0: It's true though. All right, well,
2: bye everyone
0: and thanks Sam. Probably. Okay, pause this.